You are listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. Today's message, given on April 29th, 2018, is titled, How Do You Respond to Why? My name is Ian, Ian Kenny. Uh, I'm from uh, Northport, that's where I live over there now. Uh, but I wasn't born in New York. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Just saying, just saying, I was born in the green and pleasant land of Scotland uh, a long, long time ago. Uh, after growing up all over Scotland, all over places, you want to tell all those stories, just uh, come and ask me afterwards. I met my wife, Anne, in Dundee in another place, not in Missouri, as I found there's another one in Missouri, not there, Dundee, Scotland, and uh, here we are now. I've worked in England, I've worked in California, I've worked in, now in New York. And I even have a team in Melville, and it's so exciting for me now, right? So I've really, I've really made it to the pinnacle. Um, we've been here about five years now on Long Island, based in Northport, uh, all this time, and uh, that's what uh, I'm all about. But as Bob gave a hint to the fact that last summer, summer 2017, uh, I went through a rather, um, well, let's call it a crazy medical experience, for a kind of a euphemism, if you like uh, such things. Uh, And if you were involved praying for me, as I know a number of you were, I appreciate that very, very much indeed. One of the challenges with that is that I had a lot of strokes during that experience, so unfortunately I'm using quite detailed notes, so don't be frightened by the amount of paper I brought to the front. But uh, my my brain and memory isn't quite as good as it was. But the point was that God worked that situation out. He worked it out. He worked it out better than I could ever have promised. My wife was told I'd either be dead or I'd be a vegetable. They were the two choices. There was no other choice. There was no third choice. But God inserted a third choice right into our lives, which is rather impressive. In fact, those God-answered miracles are incredible. So I collapsed. Bang. Floor. Right? Boink. On the floor. Call in the ambulances, or my wife breaks out into the uh, hotel room corridor to find there's an ER doctor in the next room. Literally the, the next physical room. So he came and helped us. I ended up in an ambulance rather than a helicopter. We're in Yellowstone National Park. If you've been to Yellowstone, anyone been to Yellowstone Park? It's rather, you know, remote, kind of out there type of a place. And ended up in an ambulance, which put me closer to Billings, Montana. And there's a world-class cardiothoracic surgeon there because I was having an aortic dissection. Okay, I can show you the slip. It goes all the way from here to here. Um, You can see a little bit of my neck. Um, And so I ended up closer to Billings, which meant that the doctor, who is also a Christian, ironically enough, though he he is a world-class cardiothoracic surgeon as well, uh, he was able to fix up my life-threatening problem. And anyway, after being at death's door, it does somewhat focus the mind, shall we say. And uh, God's given me loads of opportunities to talk. And uh, as Bob mentioned, I spoke at uh, the... Thanksgiving service, or rather my wife spoke if you heard her speak. Actually, Anne said most of the things because I was lying on the, the floor nearly dead. So kind of I don't have a lot of memories from that particular moment. <laughs> but anyway, it's not about me this Sunday, you'll be glad to hear. If you want to know more about me, I can come back anytime. It's no problem. <laughs> Always happy to talk about myself. But today it's about you. That is the key question for this morning and how you respond to life in the 21st century in America, on Long Island, in the town you live in, the street you live in, the house you live in, the life you lead. That is the question 
for today. Especially those unexpressed doubts, questions, and whatever's going on and bubbling around in your head. You know how you came through the door, you were met, given a sheet, very friendly, nice smile, good shake of the hand. But the point is, inside our heads, sometimes life is a little more complicated, right? And the point is, this morning, we're going to talk about that. Let's, uh, let's pray together as we start. Father God, you have drawn us here this morning, whether first time or the hundredth time or the thousandth time, Father, you've drawn us here today. And I just pray, Father, that you would hear us. You would hear those inexpressed cries. You would speak into our lives and that we would know you better when we leave today than when we arrive. Father, be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I will say that after, even though I said I wouldn't talk about myself, I did say after that experience in August last year, I had a few questions. A few why questions, as I would call them. Why this? Why that? Why the next thing? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of those. But just to give you a premise, right? What are those other why questions? You know, you know how kids, like usually small kids, say to their parents, why, why, why do I have to eat my vegetables? You know what I mean? Those kind of, you would never say that, obviously. That's other children, other people we're speaking about, right? Uh, or maybe, once again, a negative one. Maybe you're that employee or an employee asks why they are being restructured or whatever euphemism you like to insert there. You know, why, why did this happen To me, or the person who's maybe lost their home, maybe you've experienced that by a landlord decision or just life, something happens and you lose that home. Or maybe those ultimate where was God type situations. Where was God for that situation? My um, brother and I were in in a taxi one a long time ago, like 25 years probably at least. And we're going out to uh, his Christian Union meeting. He was the president of the Christian Union. And uh, we're going out to this university meeting. And we're students, right? So what are students like? Very passionate, excitable people. Okay, good. Yes, fine. None of you are passionate, excitable. That's okay. That's okay. So anyway, my brother and I, my brother and I are in a taxi. And we're youthful. We're vigorous. We're excited. We're going to a Christian Union meeting. Do you go to church? what we said to the cab driver, taxi driver, sorry, in Scotland. He said, no, I gave up on God when my little nephew died. The cab driver experience was rather silent after that moment, to be honest, for the rest of the trip. At least he didn't stop by the side of the road and throw us out, I suppose. He had some why questions which were unresolved in his mind. He had solved them a different way. So, What is your why question? Why this? Why that? Etc. Etc. And we come to a fascinating... Oh, we haven't got to that yet. We've come to a fascinating book to look at that story. The book of Habakkuk. Or Habakkuk. (laughs) Just can't do it. Sorry. Can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry. It's my... So my bad Scottish accent or my bad uh, pastoral teaching as a young boy, I don't have any idea. But the point is, I always call it Habakkuk 
So, sorry about that. Um, we find the same basic question. He has some deep, deep questions. Okay? I think we have something on the board now. Yep, page 787 if you're using one of the, uh, the kind of the pew Bibles. Uh, have a look at that. The whole book is really powerful. If you've never, has anyone ever read the book of Habakkuk? Any read? Oh, few hands. Good job. Excellent. Good job. The rest of you need to do it this afternoon. It's very important. Okay? So whatever you were thinking of doing, it's raining outside, so you've got nothing else to do. You might as well do this. Okay? He asks some very direct questions of God. And simply put, Habakkuk, through the book, says, why is evil winning? Why are evil people winning? And why don't you care, God? Why don't you care? The verses, uh, we're going to read from chapter, well, that's uh, the, the end, end game. We're going to turn back one whole page, if you've turned to it in your Bible, to Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I'm going to start with this. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear, or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you see me, why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. So this is written in 600 BC. This wasn't written yesterday about life on Long Island. But you could almost use some of these words right now today, don't you think? So we're in 600-ish BC, roughly. We don't have the exact date of the writing of this book. The nation of Judah, right, obviously, part of uh, kind of the original Israel, was in turmoil. The world around them was in turmoil. This all sounds very familiar. I'm sure I'm not talking about Long Island today. The world around them was in turmoil. They'd been ruled over by Assyria for a while. That empire was in the decline, right? There was the Egyptian empire nearby, once again, similarly, in decline. And now you had a new force to be reckoned with called Babylon. Okay. The kings of Judah, who have been leading the people, had definitely not been seeking God except for Josiah. There's a, one of the kings, Old Testament kings, Josiah. Uh, definitely worth reading about him and the things that he had. And if you want to know how far the people had gone wrong, right? if you want to read effectively about our own existence <laughs> and the crazy stuff that goes on today, 2 Kings 23, something to write down in your little blank sheet if you'd like to read that. Once again, it's raining. You've got plenty of time this afternoon. Definitely worth turn to it. 2 Kings 23. But anyway, here we are. Habakkuk challenges God. What does God say? I'm going to paraphrase it slightly. I am doing something. Can't you see? Have you not heard about this new nation called the Chaldeans? It's another name for the Babylonians. This new nation is going to sweep your nation away. Like their horses are like wet leopards, they're fierce as wolves, they all come for violence. They laugh at every fortress and take it. Eh? 
No, 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 God, I think you didn't hear me quite correctly. What I meant was, let's have some more miracles and then we'll have a revival and then everything will be fantastic again. Right? That's what Habakkuk was probably looking to hear, maybe. I mean, I'm not trying to change scripture, but I'm saying that's probably what he was looking for. The kind of, yep, it's all gone horribly wrong. All the people have turned away. Let's get another king like Josiah and let's have it all going right again and we're all good. But God says, no, no, no. I'm going to wipe you all away. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, I'm going to skip over the entire middle part of the book because it's meant to be an encouragement for you to go and read it and learn about the interactions that God has with Habakkuk. And it is extremely powerful and extremely relevant, including verses like, the just will live by faith, which were a very familiar passage quoted three times in the New Testament. A rebuke of idols and the emptiness of them in your life. A challenge that the Chaldeans, because they're going to be wiped away as well, because life keeps rolling forward and God is in control. And we can have a look at all of those other pieces at some point in the future. But the point is, ultimately Habakkuk, at the end of the book, these three short chapters, doesn't just end it by this kind of raising his fist and shaking it into the sky. You know how this kind of, you know, God, why are you doing this to us? That's not his response. His response is is basically worship. It ends in in a prayer, a psalm, effectively. It's in faith. The just will live by faith. We've already read that. And then despite that, despite the fear and the unknowing uncertainty of what is going to happen tomorrow to him and and anyone who's there. I don't know if he's a family. We we have no idea of his background. But ultimately, it was response of humility to say, yes, God, you're in charge of this situation. I, I don't really get it. But you do. So I'm going to trust you. And this is really critical in the life of Habakkuk. He didn't know what would happen to him, his family, his town. We don't know if he lived actually in Jerusalem or, you know, we we don't know much about him. All he knew, all he knew was that a remnant of the people of God would carry on. He testifies to that per God's covenant. And in fact, we don't really know what happened to him next, whether he survived the, the coming war and invasion and all of these things. But the point is, the last three verses are effectively what we want to look at today. The ultimate message of faith, despite life's uncertainties. Because I think you would agree, life is somewhat uncertain at times. Mm -hmm. The question of who are you trusting, who are you putting your trust in. So, okay, let's go back to the passage. What was it? Page 787. The last three verses. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor leaves beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, there will be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation." The God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Do you have a, a garden in your house? A little garden? 
where you grow vegetables and such things. Anyone? No? Yep, one head, one now. Oh, yep, yep, several people. Good job, excellent, okay. Um, I must say, we, we do the same, right? You know, whatever it is. My favorite fruit of rhubarb. Um, we have, uh, we have a, a kind of a reasonable-sized uh, vegetable plot. But the point is, I don't think I would have lasted 10 minutes as a farmer like my grandparents were on Shetland. The Shetland Islands, if you're familiar with that, the, the geography of Britain. Once again, something else to do this afternoon. Your afternoon is going to be packed. <laughs> oh, my goodness, the power of Google Maps. <laughs> anyway, in the Shetland Islands, they had these little small crofts, and they had, all, they had to survive, you know. They fished, they had animals, they had plants, they had whatever. That is what they did. But just imagine if you're a subsistence farmer on Long Island. Okay, maybe that's, maybe if you have to go back a few hundred years. But imagine if your fig tree didn't have any blossom or you didn't have any vines. Like, I mean, obviously, you have a lot of vines on Long Island. But imagine if there was none, gone, ravaged, burned, gone. Imagine if you had sheep or cattle and they were all wiped out too. That might be a bad thing for you as a farming person, do you not think? And yet in verse 18 it says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It hardly seems like a time for rejoicing, do you not think? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense from a human perspective. But God has enabled through the communication, through the the engagement he had, he's made him kind of reset his clock, reset his understanding. Rather than shaking his fist at heaven and saying, why is this going to happen, God? This is totally outrageous. We can't do this. This is terrible. You're letting us down. He's turning around and saying, I understand, despite everything being wiped away, my joy, I will rejoice in you. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Did you come here with a spirit of rejoicing this morning? I said all of these things, you know, you come in the door, you shake hands, you smile, you sit down, good stuff, way good, yeah, I did great week, perfect, nice plastic smile, no problem, right? We love those plastic smiles, don't we, sometimes? Sometimes we do. But the question is, don't trust in the things you can see. But trust in the creator who has provided everything for you. Don't rely on those things, the bank balance, the food on the table, the job, the friends. Because the truth is, often some aspects of those things can be wiped away. Once again, not trying to focus on my own personal story, but I have an amazing family. It's great. Fantastic. We have food on the table. We serve in church. We give. We offer hospitality. You know, I had enough money for a two-week holiday in Yellowstone that I didn't quite finish this time. And then suddenly I'm lying nearly dead on a hotel room floor. I didn't really have much of a chance to shout and cry those why questions to God at that point. But people ask me, they say, Ian, why are you so positive? How are you so positive about things? I say, because God rescued me. God brought me back from the brink. In at least that human perspective. I need to praise him for his goodness. And even if he hadn't saved my human existence, my earth suit, as people like to say, right? 
and I was now on the other side, that would be fine too. But God worked out that situation, took that near-death experience. Maybe you've had similar things in your own life. You have this near-death experience. I'm not talking about the light and the tunnel and all of that stuff. I'm talking about just understanding that this life carries on. We lose the earth suit. We get that other suit. That joy of God in my life. I had another day to serve. And in fact, being here this morning is a privilege and an opportunity to be able to testify to God's goodness. And verse 19, it goes on. It says this, Yet the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. God just didn't help me survive. Life isn't about just surviving, though sometimes it feels like that. Living paycheck to paycheck, day to day. Will I have the energy? Oh my goodness, can I get through it? But in the spiritual sense, God empowers us to walk on the high places, to come to a place like this or any day of the week. Get out your Bibles, worship, Pray and say, God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. The key thing is Habakkuk didn't say everything's going to be perfect. In fact, what he actually said was life's going to be pretty terrible, actually, for him at that time. His barn might have been empty. His crops might have failed. But his God was bigger than that human level perspective. Interesting enough, if you read the verse before, the one I stepped over, it says this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. He wasn't kind of like, yay, woohoo, this is so great. God, you're going to wipe everything away. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of, there was a realism. There was a fear. There was a, he came to this situation with trembling body. God had revealed knowledge to him, which was powerful and deep. And his response actually was, was hard, was physically difficult for him. And yet the point was he was able to have that reset that rejoicing, the joy, the strength like the feet of the deer, the ability to walk on those mountains, to be transformed in his thinking and understanding of what God has to say. But what does this mean for us? I mean, it's fine, Habakkuk, 600 BC, come on. That's ages ago. The risk of invasion was high then. The nations, the two kingdoms around them were much bigger than they were. The northern kingdom had already been taken into slavery. Slavery, we're not allowed to use that term. But that was what happened to these people at that time. But 21st century Long Island, Ian, you must be kidding me. This isn't real. This isn't what's going to happen to us. We're evangelical Christians. We love Jesus. We tithe sometimes. You know, we're, we're, going, to be, we're going to be fine. But the point is that when those why questions come, those kind of do you ever get a newspaper? I sometimes still get a newspaper on the weekend. You flip that through, you're like, oh my gosh, I'll put that down over there. I'll use it to light my fire. I don't really want to know any of that news in there. I don't want to look on the BBC news site for all of its fake news or this fake, you know. 
If it all gets too intense, I've always got Facebook to distract myself. <laughs> I don't think they'd invented Facebook in 600 BC. I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg would be happy if they had done. But the point was that, you know, we just like to distract ourselves. We just don't want to deal with the reality of modern living and life. Let's just box everything in, close my front door, drive up to the garage, bzz, door opens, drive car in, bzz, you know, in, I'm, I'm okay now, it's fine. I would respectfully suggest you need to open your eyes and look at the world around you. Locally, MS-13 threatening police officers, I know that was a few weeks ago, it's when I was first writing this. Criminal trials for once seemingly respected officials who happened to be on the take. Tax bills going, uh, do they go up or down? I forget, I always get confused. It's my brain, you know, it's a problem. Nationally, we are being deliberately, people are deliberately misunderstanding each other on both sides of the fence, right? Violence seeming to increase, or is that fake news? Facebook selling our data. Oh, wait, we talked about Facebook a minute ago. Globally, we're staring down the battle of yet more conflict. And yet, if you look to the... The, the newspapers yesterday or the, the news stories, you know, it's all going to be fine now. You know what I mean? It's all, no, it's not going to be fine now. It's not going to be fine. The question is, are we prepared to ask the questions? Are we actually prepared to ask the questions and whether God is going to answer them? He, in fact, he has answered most of them already. Are we prepared to engage Yes, he allows North Korea to survive. He hasn't thrown, overthrown President Assad in Syria yet. He hasn't removed the MS-13 threat in Long Island. Blah, blah, blah. He hasn't done that yet. Will he do it? I don't actually know. And I'm not trying to answer those questions today. But the point is that God truly is bothered. God does care about what happens in this world. He cares about what happens in your town. He cares what happens in your street. He cares what happens in your house. The question is, are we truly prepared to face that reality, to humble ourselves, to fast, to pray? We've got the prayer day this week coming up right now, you know. I mean, if there isn't a time for prayer then, what about this week? What about next week? What about every week? If you're familiar with it, there's a passage in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Once again, something else to add to your list of things to do today. But the point is, it's not about coming to God and saying, oh God, it's all so bad, you know, dear, oh dear, if only you were big enough to fix it, you know, it would have been so good. God was fixing the problem Habakkuk had by using a massive people from a thousand miles away to come and wipe them out. <laughs> what? And then they were going to be wiped out by the next big set of people that God was going to send from the north. This, the, uh, forgotten the name. Anyway, sorry, brain fail. The point is that we see examples of people engaging. We do see good things happening too. I know a lot of the young adults at ICC have stepped in in mentoring young people at the shelter. It would have been far, 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 far easier for them to not bother. I can guarantee it. I bet you it's inconvenient. They're taking the time out, going to speak to these kids who probably don't really care or seem to care on the outside. It's much easier not to bother. 
It's much easier to live in denial, to spend time on Facebook and social media, to do other things, to go and do worship, to do all that. That's all good. But God calls us to get involved. He calls us to connect, to engage, to speak. The question is for the rest of us. What should I do? How should I respond? Or maybe you just prefer the pictures of cats. The world wants us to be numb. There's a song by U2, I think it's on Zeropa, Numb. Maybe U2's a bit passe these days, but anyway, who cares? I just happened to come back to my mind. Numb, don't do this, don't do that. The world wants us to be numb. The world wants us to deny the reality of what is going on. God does not want us to be numb. In our own communities, doesn't want us to be numb. In our own towns, our workplaces, our community centers, wherever we're at. God does not want us to be numb. He wants us to be engaged, to speak, to stand up, to be counted for what he wants us to be. He wants us to walk on the high places. The high places. We need to take that challenge that God offers us, whether this is day one in your life and you're like, wow, Ian, this is incredible. I want to know more about this. I want to be changed. Or whether this is a thousand and one and you're living like this for for a long time and you're like, yep. Ian, you're absolutely right. Everyone else should be standing up with me. Yay, let's go. But the point is that's through word, through prayer, through fellowship, through getting together like this, for meeting, for prayer, your individual quiet times. God reminds us each day that we need to be with him. That Lord's Prayer thing, you know, that one we all learned as children, right? Daily bread, not weekly or bi-weekly or maybe I'll get a monthly pile of bread and we'll all be good. You know, that's not how it works. So what are we going to do tomorrow? I want to see a new day as an opportunity. I want to be focused on the good things. I want to walk on the heights that God has given me the opportunity to do, not to be washed away with the global chaos. Not just to stare at my shoes, though obviously beautiful as they might be, to reflect on the golden years past with those rose-tinted glasses. Nobody's wearing rose-tinted glasses today, so that's good. But maybe you've got them on your mind. Habakkuk could have lived in denial. He could have just survived. Yep, it's all good. Yeah, they're sacrificing children over there, but, you know, that's fine. Yeah, okay, yeah, they're burning to, to false gods and worshiping the moon and stuff in the temple. Oh, okay, it's fine. I just won't look. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm, I'm, I'm. Just lived in denial. Focused on the good of old, the miracles of the past times, that when God raised the people out of Egypt and all of these things, he could have just ignored what those people were doing, but he called out to God and God spoke to him. But on our own land, we love rose-tinted spectacles here. We love them. We've got them so thick, it's brilliant. Those good times from yesteryear when things were better, when things were better. The truth is, they weren't better. We're just living in denial. We need to ask the living God who raised up his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that each of us could know him and be changed by him, to be transformed into his likeness each and every day. That we could see him working out his purposes even when we don't understand why. And like Habakkuk did, he came with fear, he came with trembling, and yet he was able to respond to the living God who had spoken to him directly and personally. He was going to say joy. 
strength, rejoicing. Even though everything might be changed, everything might be wiped away, and yet God is in control of it all. God makes no promises about health. I definitely know that full well, and maybe you do too. Right? No promise about wealth. Maybe you know that too as well. Looking at that ever-decreasing bank balance. But the point is that God makes an ultimate promise for all of us who love him and put him first. That ultimate promise is living for him every day here. And when this time ends, we will then walk on those streets of gold in heaven. It's a powerful, powerful picture of God dealing with us on a personal, caring, loving basis today. We seek to serve him, whether it's with mentoring young people or sharing your faith with the guy at the gas station. doesn't matter what it is. The point is, am I standing tall? Am I seeking to walk on the mountains? Or am I just walking along like this going, hope nobody asks me anything. Nope, I don't want, nope, I don't want to get involved. Don't want to get involved. And maybe you're not sure exactly what I'm talking about, and I can just ask and pray that you would turn away from that numbness today. You turn to the living God, and you would know him, having transforming power in your life, so that your life would be changed, and that you'd be able to testify in a place like this, in a time in the future, the way that God worked and spoke and impacted your community through his transforming power this day and every day.